Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. weekly broadcast and podcast of new abolitionist radio today is a wednesday it's a wednesday and it is august the 21st 2019 as i broadcast live from the black talk radio network good evening my name is scotty reed i'm the founder of black talk radio network as well as the creator of this weekly broadcast new abolitionist radio which focuses on um, basically the premises, or I should say the cornerstone of this program is the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution, which says that slavery and involuntary servitude is abolished except as punishment for crime. And of course, historians and, and, uh, modern day abolitionists know that that is the roots of the system that we're dealing with. Today, when we're talking about issues such as mass incarceration, when we're talking about policing, uh, when you're talking about the treatment of prisoners, that's that's the root cause right there is this country, this nation, the United States of America has never abolished slavery and is still profiting off of black bodies and have expanded it to include uh, other non-white bodies and to a certain extent where it intersects with class issues poor whites so the system has refined itself so that it is able to perpetuate itself here into the 21st century and a lot of people um, just simply don't understand what we're dealing with although a lot of Attention, a lot of understanding or mass awareness about this evil uh, system has been helped in getting this information out by such documentaries and books like Slavery by Another Name, um, Abra DuVernay's The 13th. So we're very appreciative of those efforts. American Jail, uh, which appeared on CNN as a documentary. Um, so uh, we are thankful that there's more awareness than there was before um, and we just got a lot of work to do and so tonight um, we are going to focus on of course 
We're in a presidential campaign season. I've been, you know, and I've been participating in it as well, but we've been hearing a lot about Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z's partnership when it with the NFL and a lot of back and forth going across on that, although the public opinion or consensus is that they do not view Jay-Z's partnership with the NFL to address, quote-unquote, social issues it, they don't see it favorably. They don't have a favorable opinion. It could be because they was light on the social just justice explaining how the NFL and Jay-Z was going to address, quote-unquote, social issues. But we got a lot of details about um, the entertainment aspect of the deal. Okay? Um, and so we want to talk about how that intersects with the issues that we talk about uh, all the time. It's a multitude of issues, again, emanating from the fact that slavery was never abolished and, and just a lot of money uh, still being made off of the incarceration of human human flesh. But here's something about that NFL Jay-Z thing that don't allow yourself to be confused or tricked mentally. Colin Kaepernick did not take a knee for quote-unquote social justice issues. He took a knee for one issue that's part of a multitude of issues that's related to 21st century slavery and human trafficking, and that's police violence. When he took a knee, and his first explanation of why he was taking a knee was that people are getting killed in the streets, particularly people of color, particularly black people, are being gunned down in the streets by police, and they're getting paid vacations. That don't that don't sound like social issues to me, which is a vague term, and that can mean a multitude of. He was very specific on the issue of police violence, and so tonight, you know, we're in the presidential campaign season. The election is next year, and you had over the past, I would say, four days. Uh, Sanders, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, who was running for the DNC nomination to face Trump in 2020, as well as Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's also in that race. Uh, those are my two front runners right there. Of course, Joe Biden uh, is being promoted in all these polls as the, the leader, but I, I don't view Joe Biden as uh, a serious front runner. Um, he has too many issues, too much baggage, and that support will evaporate over the long haul. That's just my pred prediction as I see it. There are three leading candidates that actually have a viable shot at beating Donald Trump. And that's Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Kamala Harris, even though I, I would never cast a ballot for Kamala Harris um, in, in, in a DNC primary. She uh, she is in that top three, um, but her support has been diminishing a lot over the past over the past week as her record and her flip flopping, especially on Medicaid for all, um, is is being and being exposed in a debate for you know her draconian policies that she supported on criminal justice. So she's not an authentic ver uh, voice on that issue. Um, but those three, so but so that's why I'm only taking a look at Sanders and Warren's platforms that they just came out with uh, issuing dueling criminal justice um, reform proposals. 
Um, now, we know that sometimes reform can be a dirty word in the abolitionist community, and for good good reason. And I am glad to see that um, in these platforms, I know more so Bernie Sanders than Elizabeth Warren, there is some abolition um, in there. There is some abolishing of private prisons. Both of those uh, senators support that. Although in 2015, when Bernie Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders came out with his legislation, uh, Justice is Not for Sale, the Senate version, it was a companion bill introduced in the House. I think that was Keith Ellison was in Congress at the time. Um, the uh, congressman, the former congressman out of Minnesota, I, I believe is where he was out of. Yeah, Minnesota. And they introduced, you know, he introduced a, a companion bill in, in the House, which would abolish private prisons. Um, Bernie Sanders Senate Senate bill got no co-sponsors, not even Senator Elizabeth Warren. She was not co-sponsoring uh, the Justice is Not for Sale Act, which would abolish private uh, prisons. But she's on board now. So that's a good thing. That's progress. But just trying to establish the timeline, the history because um, I think Bernie Sanders has a much longer track record of being on the right side of, of these issues. Um, so we're only going to take a look at those two because um, those are the only two I would take serious that's running for the race. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at Marion Williams's uh, criminal justice reform. Haven't heard a lot about that. Pete Buttigieg or Beto O'Rourke. Um, but these candidates, you know, um, don't really have a lot of uh, support out there um, in terms of, you know, their chances and likelihood of them securing the nomination. And for the sake of time, you know, we're, I'm just going to pare it down to uh, Senator Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, take a look at but And then because, especially Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, these are long policy proposals. Um, under criminal justice, Bernie's is is on his website, Justice and Safety for All, um, and Elizabeth Warren's is on Medium dot com, and I do have links in in the description where the podcast will be posted. Um, rethinking public safety to reduce mass incarceration and strengthen communities. Uh, that's the name of Elizabeth Warren's plan that came out a couple of days ago, uh, a couple of days before hers. Uh, Bernie Sanders issued the Justice and Safety for All. Um, I think his is something like 6,000 words. Hers is probably near that. Um, and they go into a lot of detail. I do have to say this. Um, I... I um, Justice and Safety for All uh, on Bernie Sanders' platform, uh, BernieSanders.com, I believe it is, is more consumable. Um, it is more organized. The presentation is better. Um, the font that's being used on Medium uh, for her post is kind of busy. Um, kind of makes it hard to read, and it doesn't have as many bullet points, although it does have bullet points. So that's more of a format um, issue. I'm not seeing that relates to anything in terms of, of substance because both of them um, do agree on various aspects of the system. But when you read both of the policies and take them in their totality, it kind of gives you, I guess, an inkling of just how massive the problem is with just criminal justice and, and the related issues. Can't talk about criminal justice without talking about policing. Can't talk about criminal justice without talking about 
uh, prisoners' rights. Although it does uh, appear that Elizabeth Warren says nothing about prisoners' human rights, um, nothing about their constitutional rights. I'm not sure if she vote uh, supports um, prisoners voting who are American citizens, regardless of their incarceration uh, status, and seeing that as a fundamental uh, human right, vote voting. I don't know if she goes that far. I guess if I'm gonna comment on that, I should look it up, right? So Warren on prisoner voting. Warn on prisoner voting. Let's see what we come up with. Because I don't want to, um, you know, misspeak here. Um, Elizabeth Warren won't say if she supports voting rights. Now, that um, was a post from March 30th, 2019. Um, so, no, she doesn't. She doesn't support or she won't say if she supports voting rights for prisoners. So let's get some context from this Huffington Post article. And, and again, both of them have some great things, some much needed reform. Bernie goes farther in terms of abolition, although Elizabeth Warren does have a point or two about abolishing certain things um, in, the, in the system. Uh, let me see. She spoke out against Elizabeth Warren, spoke out against felon disenfranchisement Saturday at the Heartland Forum in Storm Lake, Iowa. Um, HuffPost co-sponsored, but she declined to say whether she believes voting rights should be given to people serving out prison sentences. Once someone pays their debt to society, they're out there expected to pay taxes, expected to abide by the law. They're expected to support themselves and their family, she said. I think that means they got a right to vote. So she's talking about once you've been released from prison. Bernie Sanders went as far as to say because the state that he represents, Vermont, does allow prisoners to vote. Heavily white population in, in Vermont. Um, so I guess when a bunch of white people are, are congregated together and they start discussing progressive issues, race doesn't even play into it because, um, you know, uh, um, it's not that many black people there. So, so you don't have those white people who would be inclined not to support something because they see it benefiting somebody black more than them, so they're going to go along with the uh, uh, mistreatment, even though they, it could benefit them uh, down down the road. So she does support once they're released from prison, prison, but does not um, is not saying whether or not she supports prisoners voting. And this also includes people who are in jail. Um, I know um, I was trying to raise awareness during the midterms about. People who are in jail have not been convicted of crimes. They are awaiting trial, um, maybe waiting because they couldn't afford bail, which both uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders speak to the issue of bail in, in their uh, platforms. And so they should be afforded the right to vote. I don't care if that's like, you know, they take they uh, take prisoners out of the prison to go on their work details. And I see them in Gaston County picking up trash or, or whatever work they doing, uh, assisting tree cutter, cutters when they, t you know, trees fall in the road. Uh, I see inmates out there working so uh, they could do the same and take them to the polls. Or they can make sure uh, um, that they are given, um, the, what they call those, uh, uh, 
It's when you're not going to be there. I forget what they call those type of, of ballots. Uh, absentee ballots. Give them absentee ballots, okay? Um, and they can put the jail address uh, on there as their location or what have you. Uh, but it, but it, anyway, um, I you know, again, just trying to point out the differences between the two candidates because I believe either Sanders or Warren um, will get the DNC nomination unless there is some very serious rigging once again from the DNC, like what we saw in 2016, tipping the scales in in the in the balance of um, or in tipping the scales in the favor of a Joe Biden or a you know Kamala Harris. It's still too early um, to say, um, but we cannot ignore what happened in 2016 all right so before i get into i'm just again going to look at their platforms of for the issues within the issue of prisoners human rights um i know uh bernie sanders covers it i was going over elizabeth warren's uh proposals i saw nothing in regards to prisoners human rights or constitutional rights which is why i brought up um even voting rights um, and these are things that prisoners have dem have demanded. And I think, you know, uh, those listening right now or listening to the podcast later will be surprised at just how much of uh, Senator Sanders proposals um, in the justice and safety for all incorporates many other human rights um, demands that prisoners and their advocates and families have fought for. And for a very long time, I was on Twitter the other day and this um guy came across my twitter twitter timeline um nobody i was friends with or connected to i'm not sure how the algorithms is um except for keywords and certain topics you usually interact with so maybe that's why i was seeing it but he shared um um what shall we saw a list of demands a list of demands from prisoners in prison in 1945 this is in 1945 if I'm not mistaken, this was during World War II, right? When did World War II kick off 43, I believe, and didn't end, or maybe 44, didn't end to 48, maybe. So 45 was like two years into, um, and I can understand why they would come out, because I'm sure they was using a lot of prison labor to support the war effort during then. They was like, okay, y'all need us, and we're being mistreated and, and not afforded human rights and dignity. And so here's our list of demands. Probably had a strike. This was in 1945. And then, of course, we, we come up through history. And I'm, there's a lot of things that have happened um, in terms of um, resistance to the system that I'm not aware of because I wasn't aware of the 1944 or 45 list of demands from prisoners. Um, but then in Attica. What was that, 1971, uh, where prisoners took over Attica Prison and had a list of demands and demanded to be treated like human beings and not driven like beasts. And uh, just a whole host of stuff. I mean, just look, you that's easily accessible on, on the Internet. Uh, Attica Prisoners list of demands. And um, it, it mirrors, you know, some of that, which was mentioned by prisoners in 1945. So then you fast forward it to this new era of abolitionism and uh, this program, um, some of the advocacy groups that we have worked with over the years, some of the prison led, um, you know, groups from behind walls that we we have uh, worked work with have issued demands. 
Um, just most recently, the 2018 national prison strike and the list of demands that was put out, mostly by um, um, what, what they call them, jailhouse lawyers. Jailhouse lawyers speak. They coordinated with the prison behind the bars because they behind the bars as well, and um, came up with a ten point a ten point bullet list of demands, which included voting, which included, uh, and it's made its way into you can see it in, in Sanders' proposals. In fact, on Twitter, um, some of the uh, people associated with with the new abolitionist movement, the prison led movements from behind the walls have um, been talking about how Sanders' justice and safety for all contains many other things that they just got through demanding in 2018, okay? Now, so before I get in into um, some, some uh, in a comparative analysis, and of course, police brutality, we're going to look at it in the light of police brutality. Again, we can't cover everything that's... Uh, in this bill, um, but let me give some of some recent news. What's in the news before I break down that comparative analysis? Also, if you have a question or comment, um, some question you may be able to answer that I'm asking, give us a call seven zero four um, nine. Excuse me, seven zero four eight zero two fifty fifty six. That's seven zero four eight zero two fifty fifty six. Hit the star key. Um, twice, I, I believe we hit the star key twice and that will get you in um, to the conversation. So um, let me give you some of what's in the news. If you're on Facebook.com, follow, type in the Facebook search engine, New Abolitionists with an S, radio. And you'll come across our page where uh, different administrators are are posting information and news articles that's related to 21st century slavery and human trafficking. It intersects with with uh, um, legalized slavery in some kind of way, whether it's policing issues, whether it's um, corporate issues, uh, you know, stock market um, in terms of investing in prison slavery. So I'm trying to get this page some time to load up. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but uh, sometimes Facebook can get a little busy. All right, so um, in terms of private prisons, now, um, Brother John posted to New Abolitionist Radio, new report names nearly 4,000 companies profiting off of the private prison industry. Again, both Warren and Sanders do support um, abolishing private prisons. Um, Kamala Harris says she supports it as well, but uh, the way she just flip-flopped on her support for um, Medicare for all, she cannot be trusted. She might get in, she might be needing some money and go to the Hamptons again or maybe go down to Boca Raton, Florida, down there with George Zoli, the CEO of of the Geo Group, um, who has gotten huge contracts from the Trump administration, she might tell him um, in a in a private you know meeting or dinner with them that yeah I say I I'm, I'm for abolishing private prisons, but I'm really not you know so donate to you you know don't, man I think she's done with this flip flop on that Medicare for all I think she's showing that she'll say anything and she hasn't, she doesn't have ethics um, and will, you know, just snuggle up to money 
to for her own personal gain. Um, anyway, new report names nearly 4,000 companies profiting off of the private prison industry. Um, let me see. We also have a post that's talking about... And I'm just waiting on these posts to load up. Uh, each night, the Philadelphia jails release scores of inmates without returning their IDs, cash, or phones. That sounds like something that uh, Bernie Sanders specifically tackles in that civil asset forfeiture. Um, I, I'm not sure if Elizabeth Warren, I, I'll keep looking. You'll hear me talking about both of their platforms over the weeks um, or months, possibly. Um, but um, I don't think she addresses civil asset forfeiture where police can confiscate your property um, by just uh, suspecting you of a crime. Don't even have to charge you. And, and they're keeping the property. And um, that's definitely something that is um, addressed in Bernie Sanders' platform. Um, the U.S. Attorney General Barr promotes vigilante justice and police torture in a podcast interview. That's um, Bill Barr. Uh, Trump's pick for the attorney general who got that position after Jeff Sessions, the former Alabama senator, uh, resigned after Trump turned on him. Um, and Jeff Sessions is named specifically in Bernie Sanders' uh, justice and safety for all. And the things that he did in in taking the shackles off of police and basically giving them the go-ahead to engage in brutality and not policing the police. And so Bill Barr on this podcast talks about police torture like it's a good thing. Uh, using the movies, uh, Dirty Harry and and the one with, um, um, what was that dude named Bronson? I, I think, vigilante movies and promoting vigilante justice and that's lawlessness. But that was coming from Trump's Attorney General. So check out that article. That's actually an article I wrote, wrote myself. Um, it's on blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right, so let me close that. And let me pull up. I think I already pulled them up. Okay. Um, no, that's not it. Let me pull up these plans. Uh, proposed by Senator Warren and Bernie Sanders. And what I want to focus specifically on is prison slavery related issues and police uh, brutality related issues and, and compare um, both of their platforms to see how they speak to those issues and what their proposals are um, to fix them. Okay, so as I mentioned, ending the profiteering in our criminal justice system is a heading on Sanders justice and safety for all. Um, I'm not going to read um, any of the summaries, but I want to focus on the bullet points. Um, but he talks about private prisons. As President Bernie will ban for-profit prisons. Again, we're talking about removing the profitability uh, from uh, modern-day slavery and human trafficking. So he'll ban private prisons, as for-profit prisons, as I talked about. He'll make prison phone calls and other communications, such as video chats, free of charge. That's something we've we've uh, mentioned on this program over the years. Uh, Skype is free. 
on any computer. Why are you charging these prisoners? And, and Skype has, has uh, just as good as security as any private software people you contracting out with that's charging these prisoners all of this money and their families for these video chats that millions and I would say billions of people worldwide use apps on their phones, computers, laptops, and what have you to do video chats and audio, just audio only. No reason to charge them, so he would make those free of charge, audit the practice of commissaries, and use regulatory authority to end price gouging and exorbitant fees. That's something prisoners have, have talked about um, in the commissaries and, and how they get charged all this money. Um, incentivize state and localities to end police departments' reliance on fines and fees for revenue, like ticketing, things of that nature. Remove profit motive from our re-entry system and diversions, community supervision, or treatment programs, and ensure people leaving incarceration or participating in diversion, community supervision, or treatment programs can do so free of charge. Now, I mentioned Jay-Z. Now, y'all, anybody can correct me if I'm wrong. If you can't call in right now you and you're listening later, you leave it uh, in the comments. But I have heard from a number of people talking about it on social media that Jay-Z has partnered um, with companies that's going to make money off of not keeping these people in jail, but putting them on ankle monitoring. Uh, you know, those bracelets they put on them and stuff like that. Um, I've heard Van Jones is invested in that along with Newt Gingrich. I know the Koch brothers is investing. The very, very, especially the people who have, who are already made billions, who knows how much money they've made over the decades off of private prisons are invested in these uh, supervisory and probation and sup community supervision programs. So Sanders talking about removing uh, the profit motive. So let me pull up um, see if I can find a similar section for Elizabeth Warren. Um, let me see. Rethinking our approach to public safety and I know they both talking about ending cash bail. I was just seeing that on Sanders. So she's talking about, okay, around 60% of nearly 750,000 people are in jail have not been convicted of a crime. And too often, those jails are overcrowded and inhumane. Our justice system forces its citizens to choose either to submit to the charges brought against them or be penalized for wanting to fight those charges. That's right. She's exactly right. 90% or, or more, maybe 98% of all charges end up in plea deals. We should allow people to return to their jobs and families while they wait for trial, reserving preventive detention only for those cases that pose a true flight or safety risk, restrict fines and fees, levy before adjudication in many jurisdictions. Individuals are charged cost prohibitive pretrial fees, sending them into debt even if they are ultimately acquitted of a crime in cases of pretrial civil forfeiture and individual often, oh, Yes, so she is speaking to it. An individual often cannot recover property seized prior to conviction. I'll reverse the Trump administration policy, expanding pretrial civil forfeiture at the federal level and restrict the use of civil forfeiture overall. And so now we're getting into, again, the details of the details. I don't want to restrict the use of civil forfeiture overall. I'd rather abolish that practice. 
Nobody should be having to to forfeit anything that hasn't been convicted of a crime. Okay? And then in many cases, they take property that ain't even related to the crime. Okay, so then they're stealing from uh, that person's family member as well. So I need clarification on, on, on restricting the use of civil forfeitures overall because Mr. Sanders, Senator Sanders, is talking about getting rid of that. And I think people should know Joe Biden, why I'm not looking at Joe Biden's criminal justice or anything else he got to talk about on these issues. He is the author. He is, is credited with the expansion of the civil uh, forfeiture overall throughout the United States. Joe Biden's name is on those bills. He championed uh, that type of treatment of of uh, people who get caught up in the criminal justice system. Uh, she talks about cap, the assessment of fines and fees, generally someone who can't afford to pay thousands of dollars in fines on an hourly minimum wage salary is not only cruel as ineffective. Criminal debt collection should be capped at a percentage of income for low-income individuals. States should also eliminate the profit incentive that drives excessive fees and fines by capping the percentage of municipal revenues derived from the justice system and diverting seized assets into a general fund. Eliminate fees for necessary services. Um, this is... Um, some of the things we've just talked about, private companies and contractors can charge incarcerated people for essential services like phone calls, bank transfers, and health care. Private companies also profit from charging individuals for their own incarceration and supervision, including through fees for reentry, supervision, and probation. As I detail in my plan to end private prisons, I will end this practice and ensure that private companies don't get rich from it. So, so her and some, Bernie Sanders are on the same page on this. And that's why, you know, I'm not taking anybody else in this in this race. I'm not really giving them any consideration. It's between these two. Because they speak the most to the most issues that will help the most people. So it's a two two person race as far as I'm concerned. Accountability for the wealthy um and well connected. So I'm gonna jump ahead there. Um let me see reform. Now, let me just go back in cash bail. Almost Sanders and um, in the use of secure bonds in federal criminal proceedings, provide grants to states to reduce their pretrial detention populations, which are particularly high at the county level, and require states to report on outcomes as a condition of renewing their funding. Withhold funding from states that continue to use the cash bail system. So there's the stick. You know, you got carrots, you got sticks, so there's a the stick right there. Ensure that alternatives to cash bail are not leading to disparities in the system. Now, uh, let's look at police violence and uh, accountability again. Jay-Z will have you believe that Colin Kaepernick uh, took a knee for social justice issues, and that's not why Colin Kaepernick took a knee. He raised two issues when he took a knee. Police violence and fake patriotism or how should I say, the hypocritical patriotism. Whatever term that you can think of that that shows how that flag and the freedoms and liberty for all that the United States likes to promote and other people like to promote for them, um, you know, that's not the reality on the ground. 
And so he took a, he took a knee for the victims of police brutality and violence in this country, especially gun violence. Now, um, since Colin Kaepernick took a knee, a study has been released here in the past week or so that says that, and it's particularly for young men between the ages of 16 and 30, somewhere about there, uh, that demographic, that police are the sixth leading cause of death for young men in the United States of America. Now, you can break it down by race if you choose. Of course, you know that black people are going to be number one when it comes to the disproportionality of it all, followed by Hispanics, followed by Native Americans, um, and, and then everybody else. But when you look at it, I don't like to break, break it down and, and racialize it because I believe in codification and I also believe that all these other victims should be natural allies and out there on the front lines of fighting this stuff because they're being impacted by it all as well. So the study focused on, and it, it said, young men in the United States, six leading cause of death of young men in the United States. Okay. So let's um, on the justice and safety for all on BernieSanders.com. It, it has a section called "Ensure Law Enforcement Accountability and Robust Oversight." Again, just a tip to uh, the campaign of Elizabeth Warren. Medium, y'all need to change that font. Um, it's just not easily readable. It's not, the presentation is kind of off. I need it in bullet points. Make it easy for the masses to read it. Ensure law enforcement accountability and robust oversight. So let's go over some of that. Now, remember I said that Jeff Session was named. Uh, Rescind former Attorney General Jeff Sessions' guidance on consent decrees. The consent decrees are when the FBI or Justice Department has investigated the police department for, let's say, systemic police violence or excessive ticketing and, and fining. And, and the FBI, will, uh, the Justice Department goes in there and they uh, say that you've been violating uh, the community's constitutional right. Nobody ever goes to jail. Um, but then they are un they have to agree to go under a consent decree, decree, or I don't know what the stick is if they don't, but they probably would, um, face some kind of suspensions of federal funding and, and what have you. So if they don't enter into this consent decree, so they're considering to having the justice department have a monitor to bring you into compliance with whatever their reports said your violations are. All right, then he goes into, he says, revitalize the use of Department of Justice investigation, consent decrees, and federal lawsuits to address systemic constitutional violations by police departments. This is something that was going on and being ramped up under Eric Holder um, while he was um, with the Obama administration, but Jeff Sessions came in there and undid all of that. Um, next bullet point, ensure accountability, strict guidelines, and independent oversight for all federal funds used by police departments and federal programs that provide military equipment to local police forces. This is something that also needs to be 
um, address when we're talking about congressional candidates and, and senatorial candidates or any candidate for public office that's going to be on the 2020 ballot. It's going to be more than just, um, you know, Donald Trump and hopefully Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. Um, there's going to be others. And I have said that um, thank you for your service to the people in your youth. Um, John Lewis, but but since you've been a congressman for since the 1980s, you know you have supported uh, these various programs of oppression. Um, just I don't, I just it's just sad to see somebody live long enough, be tempted enough by the system um, that um, they damage their legacy. I mean, how can you not see it as him uh, voting for bills to provide the military, I mean, excuse me, police with military equipment that includes firearms, uh, heavy equipment, tanks, basically, uh, APCs, armored personnel. Y'all see how they rolled out on them on them uh, defenseless people in Ferguson, um, but also the National Guard was rolled out. So, um, you know, within that, he would in that federal program, create a federally managed database of police use of deadly force. That's something that needs to be created. Provide grants for states and cities to establish civilian oversight agencies with enforceable accountability mechanisms. Establish federal standards for the use of body cameras, including establishing third party agencies to oversee the storage and release of police videos. Mandate criminal, this is very important, mandate criminal liability for civil rights violations resulting from police misconduct. So, for example, a police officer is, the evidence suggests they violated, because they got on video, um, you violated this person's constitutional rights. And, and constitutional rights just don't apply to citizens, but... Um, the majority of this violence is happening to citizens, but, um, you know, civil rights also cover uh, foreign nationals as well as here visiting. Um, but when they're found guilty of that, well, how do you know they're guilty? When the police department settles out of court for millions of dollars, basically a bribe to end this right here and there, sign this non-disclosure um, agreement and take your $5 million and never speak of this again. Because we, you know, know there's strong evidence um, that you, uh, this this victim's uh, constitutional rights were violated. Well, that's not good enough just paying off the family members. That's not good enough. These are murders. These are manslaughters. Sometimes I believe they don't intend to kill a person and the person ends up dead due to you like Dana uh, Panatello in New York and Eric Gardner using a chokehold that's been outlawed in, in by the department. So now you got to pay out. Well, Sanders is talking about mandating criminal liability for civil rights violations resulting from that type of misconduct. Uh, limit the use, this is important to limit the use of qualified immunity to address the lack of criminal liability for civil rights violations resulting from police misconduct. What are they talking about? Well, qualified immunity means that a public official is immune from criminal prosecution or even civil liability. Um, for for misconduct in office. They get immunity. Uh, compared to like, you ever watch the movies and there's like um, 
there's been real life examples. I can't think of the guy's name that was accused of rape from France, um, but he had diplomatic immunity. You ever heard that term? Well, that's it's similar to qualified immunity that police officers get, prosecutors get, judges get, uh, it, people in the criminal justice system. No wonder it's rife with corruption. Um, conduct a U.S. Attorney General's investigation whenever someone is killed in police custody. Um, so, of course, when Kamala Harris was Attorney General of California, she had an opportunity um, to support some legislation at the state level in California. She did declined. She would not support that legislation. That's what Sanders is calling for. Um, instead of Bill Barr going around doing podcasts talking about Attorney General, U.S. Attorney General uh, Bill Barr, which is a appointed position, top cop in America, um, going around doing podcasts, promoting uh, vigilanteism and talking about the satisfaction that people get from it and police brutality, um, you would be invest. He would be forced to investigate when someone is killed in police custody. Of course, I would imagine if Warren or when Warren or Sanders becomes president, he's out of there. Establish a fed. This is very important to establish a federal no call policy, including a registry of disreputable federal law enforcement officers. So testimony from untrustworthy sources do not lead to criminal convictions, provide financial support to pilot local and state level no-call lists. This is something that activists, advocates um, have been pointing out a need for. When you this has come up as an issue in the news, I've heard stories where uh, convictions were reversed because of a disreputable uh, officer who was caught in a lie uh, or falsifying evidence, and now all of his uh, convictions or anything he had a hand in or she had a hand in uh, is tainted. And so, in the interest of justice, we got to throw out these convictions. This will prevent people like that from even being called. And most importantly, and I know Jeff Bezos, uh, the owner of the Washington Post and Amazon, doesn't like this because he stands to make billions or more, possibly off of the use of facial recognition software and selling it to police. And I know, I think it was Arizona, it might have been California, where they tested this software and, and 22 um uh, members of the legislature in California, their so-called Congress, I guess you would call it, House Elect, uh, um, were identified as criminals based on mug shots of other people, and they mistake them. So um, Bernie Sanders talking about banning the use of facial recognition software for policing. All right, so I'm going to leave it right there. There's a lot there. Now let's see where Elizabeth Sanders is on this oversight. So she says, um, that's not oversight, improved data collection and reporting for nearly a century. We have measured crime in this country. It's time we measure justice and act when we don't measure up. Today, there is no comprehensive government database on federal, uh, fatal police shootings 
ethics issues, misconduct complaints, or use of force incidents. My Justice Department will establish a rigorous and systemic process to collect this data, provide relevant data collection training to local law enforcement, and make data publicly available whenever possible. We'll use that data to prioritize federal oversight and hold police accountable for the portion of the bad policing outcomes for which they are responsible. And we'll work with interested departments to use their own data to improve their legitimacy in the communities they serve and inform more and just police. So the two platforms kind of intersect uh, on that. Increased federal oversight capacity. The Obama Justice Department used this authority to investigate police departments with a pattern of, or practice of unconstitutional policing, but resource constraints limited the number of interventions carried out. Meanwhile, the Trump administration hasn't initiated any investigations at all. I'll reverse, reverse again Jeff Sessions, who I saw an article today where he was described as the worst U.S. Attorney General in the history of the United States. So that's saying something. <laughs> when you have to go all the way back to the 1700s to compare him to U.S. Attorney Generals. That's saying, so that's even comparing him to people doing the height of Jim Crow. So, I, I don't know about the worst, but he's right up there with them. I have to do some more research. But um, apparently, you know, an article came out today saying he had, and mentioning these very things. So she um, mentions sessions by name um let me see hasn't it'll reverse the sessions guidance limiting the use of consent decree investigations and triple funding for the office of civil rights to allow for increased investigation of departments with the highest rates of police violence and whenever there is a death in custody in this way we can further incentivize police departments with persistent issues to adopt best practices uh, i want to see some prosecution there Okay, I want to hear some criminalization of the police for committing murders and manslaughters and, and beatings and what have you. Um, and she goes on, empower state attorney generals. Even an expanded DOJ will not be able to provide oversight for many thousands of law enforcement agencies in this country. And accountability for unconstitutional policing um shouldn't simply shut down under a hostile president like Trump. To build a more durable system, I'll incentivize states to empower their attorney generals to conduct their own oversight of police behavior nationwide. That's an interesting concept. I like I like to see it. But it's also, you know, um, yeah, the, I don't have anything to say about that. Uh, demand increased civilian oversight. I think Bernie Sanders talks about this as well. So again, there's a lot of overlap here. There's a lot of overlap. And these two, if you're a logically thinking voter who wants to see um, reform and even some of these elements abolished in the system, um, I don't see how you can you can be thinking about anybody other than Sanders or Warren's. Biden shouldn't be entering your mind given his history. Harris shouldn't be entering your mind considering her history. Uh, Peach Buttigieg has some issues with firing his police department, his uh, black police chief, or for uh, stirring up trouble um, and pointing out the bad behavior and racist behavior of white police officers on his own department that he was hired to oversee. Uh, so Pete Buttigieg's got some issues there. Beto O'Rourke really haven't heard a lot from him. Um, 
and again, it could be that these people have put out their issues and I'm just not as familiar or put out their platforms addressing these issues and I'm just not familiar. That could be on their campaign strategy or it could be colored by what the media is choosing to cover. And it also is probably because they poll very low in terms of support, um, national uh, support and engagement with their campaign. Um, so... I have linked to these, and I and I'll be writing more about it. Um, I only have an hour to do a broadcast, and um, you know it's just not doing them justice. And like I was telling somebody else, don't sit around waiting on the media to present you this or that information about the specifics of what a particular campaign stands for and how they address these many issues. These people have published their uh, planks on their online platforms. Go read it for yourself. The media is not going to give you a comprehensive overview of these campaigns. They are not. They give you a snapshot, and then they pick out the topics that's going to be talked about. Okay? So I encourage people to go to both Sanders and Warren's uh, criminal justice policies. Again, I'm going to keep reading because it's a whole lot to consume, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm seeing some tangibles in addressing these uh, these issues related to 21st century slavery and human trafficking. I just would like to see more focus uh, on the human rights of prisoners from uh, Warren um, and I hope she moves towards supporting uh, the right of prisoners to vote. Um, I'll have to check to see where she, if she addresses prison gerrymandering, got the census coming up in 2020. Uh, that's where prisoners are counted um, in the counties where they are incarcerated and not where they were living before they were in, uh, human trafficked out the county. Okay, and so that that has political implications. It also has economic Im implications when you're talking about uh, fundings for counties based on population. Um, I do know Sanders addresses that. Um, I'll have to go more through Warren's platform to see if she addresses that. So, but these are your two front runners in my mind. These are on my ballot. These the two front runners right here. Everybody else. They should just, you know, if you're standing up for justice, I wish you luck, but you just don't have the momentum right now. Um, and I think that these are the two best candidates that that uh, have a shot at getting the, the coveted DNC uh, nomination um, and then face against Trump. All right. So I want to thank those um, who listen. If you found the program to be constructive, please share it with others. Um, the podcast that is and support independent media production uh, through our nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. All donations are tax deductible. You can use our PayPal account. Uh, you can send a check or money order to Black Talk Media Project, P.O. Box 65, Mount Holly, North Carolina 28120-0065. We definitely um, need the support. So with that said, Pay attention to what's going on, y'all. Don't let people manipulate your minds. Go to the source to get the most accurate information if you want to know about um, solutions to these issues. And the last thing I'll say is 
I don't, the NFL and Jay-Z can't stop police from killing you, okay? Or being held accountable for killing you. Singing songs, rapping, uh, Super Bowl halftime shows is not going to stop any kind of police violence that's going on out there in the street. And um, the NFL um, is a private entertainment corporation. They are not a, a political pack, a 501c3 or C4 in terms of addressing uh, these systemic issues. And so all you're going to get really is symbolism. And some trinkets, you know, they'll give some money and spread some money around nowhere near the amount that will be raised for candidates like Donald Trump who are anti-justice. Um, and so we can't allow ourselves to be confused uh, when these are political problems with political solutions, which means that you need a politician to push the legislative solution so that we can hold these people accountable. Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, um, Kenny Stills, much respect to you brothers. I know that y'all are taking a knee over the issue of police violence and the lack of accountability and not for quote unquote social justice issues. All right, that's it. Y'all be safe out there. Peace and blessings to all. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this. Freedom. Freedom.